0: Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. All right, take two of the intro for Electronic Dance Money. I'm your host, Christian Casito, and I'm so fucking excited about this episode. It's been a long time coming. I'm still... I, I recorded an episode yesterday um, with uh, my buddy Steve, and I told you guys I'm, I've am i lost my voice from all the damn ho- hockey games I've been going to screaming. I'm here with Noah Neiman, also known as Dr. Neiman, and uh, we've been... We've been buddies for a while now, and we've been talking about doing an episode together for far too long. Yeah, a little and bit. we're, fu- yeah, we're finally doing it. Episode 79. you were 10 Ooh. off from the best number. Ah. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Noah? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to, glad to finally be here. <laughs> I know. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I've talked about you endlessly on this podcast. A lot of my listeners are familiar with your name uh, because I've name dropped you many a time uh, <laughs> talking about different business stuff and um, different things that you're doing. Or uh, I, I've also mentioned you just not even naming you and being like, oh, my friend so-and-so did this and that. But that's um, uh, no, so my middle name, are- actually. Is so-and-so. So and so—that's mm. why I've heard. <laughs> uh, so you are name dropping <laughs> me when you do that. <laughs> I am name dropping you. Uh, we're finally doing an episode together, and I'm really I'm excited about this episode because it's something that um, uh, I've thought about. I've done a branding episode in the past, but it was like, man, that was episode three that I did back in 2019. That episode's so outdated now. Like just with, I mean, branding in general, especially because it was mostly focused on instagram branding and i mean instagram tra- changes every three months so it's like anything you were doing three years ago is completely wrong now for the most part Some things yeah. kind of yeah like, for sure the fundamentals will kind of stay true but you yeah i mean go go ahead
1: yeah
0: i was gonna say yeah i mean there's just
1: so much that's happened between then and now i mean covid for one you know, it's it's changed so much of what's going on in the music world. You know, nobody could do anything live. So you had to think of other ways to make money, you know, and so it's just a really important thing to, to talk about.
0: Yeah. Well, in marketing in general, uh, you, uh, you actually bring up a pretty good point with COVID, like marketing changed. Everything with music because I mean, the big money maker really was shows, it still is. I mean, shows are still the big money maker, but that completely changed during like okay, now you have probably hundreds, if not thousands. Probably, actually, if you really think about it, people who literally do live gigs for a living, there's thousands of people like that people who put on festivals festivals festival after festival now like the unemployment for all these people who all they did was live sound and then all of the artists there's a massive gap in like people who just don't have any jobs anymore and so now you have to come up with new ideas of what the hell you're going to actually do um for artists specifically it changed the game while like uh, streaming like the amount of streaming that increased through that. And I had uh Darren Bruce on from uh, the DJ sessions located in Seattle. And he came on to talk. I think it was, I think it was about a year ago. I think it was sometime in 2021 to kind of talk about what happened with live streaming and what's going on with live streaming. Really, really good two parter episode that we did because when like right when COVID hit, it hit in like March, and then in April or June, the the amount of signups on Twitch and then the amount of people streaming and music on Twitch just like tripled overnight. I mean, it's the the it's insane how many people got into it. Now I think it's dying now, which is funny because I think if I mean if you got into that game around that time, I think it is gonna be tough to like get an audience. But now. I would suspect that a lot of people are still watching stuff on Twitch, but creators have fallen off of Twitch. And so now there's actually probably a decent audience. When we were first talking about that stuff, though, last year, there wasn't a lot of an there, there wasn't a ton of audience to go around. There were kind of people dominating the scene. But now I would suspect there's less creators, more of an audience, and people could actually continue doing that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned Darren because I actually did an interview with him just a couple of months ago. <laughs> I'm not sure if he heard of me through you or, or independently, but that's just kind of funny. Anyways. Yeah. I, you know, I, about Twitch, I, I don't know if a whole lot of people are taking that as seriously as they were a year ago or two years ago, just simply because it, it's, you know, it's, it's not as much of a cash cow as doing live shows and you can do live shows now. So if you're doing, if you were doing live shows, you were really doing Twitch just to sort of stay relevant. And, you know, like, I don't know, for, for guys like me, you know, I, like, I, I kept on toying with the idea of getting into it and I just never did. Like I, 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 like I bought stuff for it. Like I bought a green screen and a fucking like a a lighting kit and all this. I spent probably that you know a thousand dollars or something like that. And 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 all that stuff is sitting in a box, like in in its box, like unopened, in a closet. And I just always meant to open it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, I see like. I, um, I don't know. I just see like all these guys like doing that and uh, it just didn't, I don't know, it, I guess it, I don't know if it didn't appeal to me or if it didn't, you know, what, but I mean, I was just like, you know, I could focus more on, you know, writing music than streaming it for free to, I don't know how many people would, would tune in, you know, uh, cause I'm not, you know, DJ snake, <laughs> you know, You know, if he got on Twitch, you know, or or Marshmallow or whatever, you know, like those guys, sure, like they, you know, they're going to get sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I mean, it's just like I guess it wasn't for me, and and you know, I did sign up for it, and I I don't, i I got like like single digit followers or something like that. But you know, I think that that for people who really continue with it and like took it seriously, I mean, they could definitely go places with it, but you know i don't know i guess it's too easter to on
0: twitch is and this is kind of what we got into that episode we got into the nitty gritty of like should you really start a twitch channel is now the best time to and i i mean ideally the best time to start a twitch channel and this is with i mean there's a lot of other things you could think about i mean like the best time to invest invest in bitcoin was 2011 (laughs) but no one did like the same thing with getting on twitch as a streamer the best time to get on twitch as a streamer for music in general was pre-covid you know if you established an audience pre-covid then covid hits and there's matt this massive flood of not just users going to watch twitch streams but huge artists that draw more people to go watch twitch streams and then they happen upon your stream because it's on the front page, because you've been applying, you, you know, you've been working that Twitch channel for so long that, and you've just naturally grown your audience that when that floods in there, you're going to benefit from that, even if you're not a no-name. So it's like, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. like it would be, would have been great to have been involved in Twitch at that time, but you know, and Twitch takes so much time. Like, that's the thing. Uh, and with music, it's like you got to find one thing to kind of pivot into and and fixate on. And if you can fixate on that one thing, you're going to be successful in that one area. Andrew Huang just came out with a video a few days ago, which was fucking fantastic. And he talked about this idea of focus, like fo- ha- like focusing is the way to success. He focused on just creating youtube cha- youtube videos and he released two videos per week for over like a year or two and grew his channel to over a million subscribers and like that was his idea of like I just need to focus on this one thing if I focus on that it's going to grow to where I want it to be and so I think that's like a massive part of of what producers need to be doing it. And so if you can focus in on that Twitch stream, it will be successful over time if you're consistent. And that's all all of where your focus is. So we're getting lost in the weeds here. I want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, and I, because, okay, I've talked about you to my audience before, but they don't know who Noah Neiman is. They don't know who Dr. Neiman is. They don't know your story. So let take us back a little bit, because your history is fantastic. Your story through the music scene is amazing. And say even with your personal life, what you've been able to accomplish while still maintaining what I would argue is a pretty successful music career. So take us through your history and your story. Like, where does this start? And how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah. Oh man. I, I have, there are, there are probably multiple starting points that I could tell you about, man, the the first DAW that I used <laughs> was Mario paint on super Nintendo. I don't know if a lot of your listeners even know what Mario paint is, but the main thing that you know, was in it was it was a game, obviously. It was on Super Nintendo. But it was more of like a creative thing where you could like you could you could make pictures and videos and stuff like that using uh Nintendo like uh assets. So you could make it was the, it was the first sampler? He, it really was. I mean, I don't know if it was the first, but it was it was that probably not the first. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it, was it, a sampler. Yeah, it was it was a sampler, and it was the first one that I came across. So you could make you know you could there was there was like a you know a a note like an actual like a, a musical notation bar like a G clef bar, and you know you could line up notes on. On it, and but the notes were not like piano sounds or trumpet sounds or or classical music sounds. They were like Yoshi sounds or like Mario jumping sounds or fucking like like when you get the star (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing. And so you know, so so I recreated Uh Twilight Zone by Two Unlimited using Yoshi and Mario sounds, and it was just. I mean, it blew my mind that I could actually do that, and I didn't even know. Like, I like I bought the game, wanting to like just like paint stuff, and they had this entire like side game that was a Daw, essentially. So you know, so that was my like in like my 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 first foray into music making. You know, and, and fast forward, like I, I you know just you know, gobbled up every single DAW that was out there and, uh, just started learning more and more and more about music. And, you know, I had been playing music since I was four. I played the piano since I was four, violin since I was probably about seven, and then trombone since I was nine, you know? And so I've, I've been, you know, in a very musical household. Like my father is a fantastic pianist and same thing with my sister. So we're, it was just, it was, music was everywhere. And my mom was, like, it's like a, super like huge disco and 80s era music, like enthusiast. So, you know, I've always been around music and and it just was a big part of my life. And so, you know, I, 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 there, I started really kind of taking music seriously, probably when I graduated from optometry school, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Uh, actually, definitely earlier than that. It was probably my second year. I did this 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 song uh, a remix for a friend of mine, Zachary uh, Zameripa, and it caught Marcus Schultz's ear. And Marcus he texted me out of the blue while I was sitting in a lecture, and I you know it was like a I think it was I think it was an optics lecture, and I was getting texts from Marcus Schultz, and he's like, hey, it's Marcus Schultz, you know I, I, I heard your song, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because uh, because the, the the owner of the record label that I did this remix for was really, really like personal good friends with Marcus. And so he got my number from the guy and and, and the guy his name's uh Jav D, really good friend of what mine who lives this? in Washington DC. Oh man. I wanna say two thousand maybe 2009 Wait, something like this, that so
0: this was like the epic trance heydays were, were you, yeah, you were yeah, writing yeah, yeah. trance at this time right
1: yeah yeah i was writing trance and so it was like the the height of of that kind of music you know very melodic production standards were not i, I would say they weren't like what they are today but the music was the musicality everything was 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 phenomenal anyway so so marcus texts me and, and like my mind is like blowing like during this lecture and like <laughs> i'm like looking around at people and like they're just you know you know listening to, to an optics lecture and i'm talking to marcus schultz and it was just blowing my mind so anyways you know he got me to write a remix for Coranda who, who which which introduced me to a, a now very good friend of mine james wood who was who was one of the main guys from Caranda, and david call who is now my best friend. And we hang, you know, we hang out all the time. And he was the vocalist on the track. But anyway, so so that led to, you know, bigger and better things like continuously. It's just it was like one stepping stone to another. And I finally hooked up with Tritonal, who again was doing trance at the time. And funny enough, you know, we're we're both from Texas. You know, I was living in Houston at the time. They were living in Austin. And the plan for me was to always move back to Austin because That's where my wife's uh, family is, and that's kind of where we always wanted to be. So it just worked out really well. And so I got really close with them and started writing music for them and and for their label, Enhanced. And eventually they took me on tour and stuff, and it just kind of, like I said, it kind of blew up from there.
0: Did you shift your—you had a genre shift after you were writing Trance. When did you start to shift? So like— the the idea of this episode, which most of you probably know by the title, uh, when you're checking this out, is talking about rebranding. So you kind of had instances, and I mean, even Tritonal has over the years, of like small rebrands of just genres. So this whole time you were going under the name Noah Neeming, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: you know, I didn't really have any sort of, you know, DJ name or whatever. It was just my first and last name. But yeah, so so with Tritonal their sound really I mean they were exploring themselves as artists I suppose you could say and you know they they started off in trance which is where I was and that's how we met. And then because I got signed on to their label, you know we kind of we kind of had to keep the sound cohesive, you know the the record label owner Will Holland was was sort of directing everybody as to what you know we could really capitalize on at the time and and you know just what what we were feeling artistically you know so so they kind of transitioned from trance into progressive house which was you know nowadays it's kind of like EDM you know the the guys who were on the label who were sort of mainstays on the label but other than Tritonal we kind of we kind of pivoted wherever they wanted to pivot and I, and I, you know, I was really feeling like everything that they were doing, like we went from trance to progressive house to there's a little bit, a little bit of big room in there, you know, and then, Future and base. then, uh, yeah, yeah. Future base and pop became like the, the main thing that, that enhance was known for probably, man, these dates might be off, but I want to say like 2017, 2018, something like
0: that. Yeah. I think that was around that time. Cause we met in tw- like mid 2016 i had just moved to austin and it was like t- october of 2016 you were opening up for tritonal i saw you shot you a message on facebook and then we just started talking from there and that was right when you were coming out with um
1: make it so good
0: yep make it so good yeah yeah, yeah. which i heard on a a mashup uh mix the other day while i was rolling at jujitsu jitsu but yeah make it so good which that was more like progressive but then yeah. out it was like right after that is when you really started to push into, to some future based stuff in like 2017 leading into 2018.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the pop stuff really came when, you know, the the chain smokers sort of like took over the scene and really made that sound popular, you know, like electronic pop was really a big thing. And, and, you know, everybody was kind of feeling that sound. And, and I think that, you know, tritonal could really did that sound. Well, and so, you know, again, all of us on on the label sort of wanted to to you know explore that that area in in in, in the industry and and kind of just you know I, I don't want to say um, we we were like we weren't like chasing trends really it was it was more of kind of like a natural evolution but you know some people kind of <laughs> some people kind of say that it was like that you know but it really it really just sort of felt right nice at the time I guess you know like. Guys like Zed, you know, every time time he comes out with a single, it doesn't sound anything like the single that came out whenever, you know, six months ago or a year ago or whenever he comes out with whatever. And it's because, you know, as an artist, you sort of evolve your sound every time that you write a song.
0: Uh, Well, I think that's a really important point to make. It's like there There's a reason why people chase trends. And like, as an artist, you do have to keep up with the times. But as you grow as an artist, you also develop your own sound. And I think quote unquote, chasing a trend is okay. It's not like a it's not a bad idea. I think where it becomes an issue is if you're just lazily writing and you're not even trying to put your own take on something, and it's like, Let me just fucking write something for the masses that everyone's into right now. And I know I'll get X amount of streams or X amount of money off of this release. I think where it becomes super important, and you actually make a really good point, like Tritonal did a really good job of transitioning their sound... Painting with Dreams is a fantastic fucking album that came out in 2018, and they utilized a lot of that pop sound, progressive house sound, a little bit of the future-based stuff. There there was a really good mix of their own sound put onto a lot of these tracks that made them super original, but it kept up with the trend at the time. And so that's really what does define and, and differentiates yourself as an artist, is when you can take a really trendy genre like right now is like was it color base and future rave or something like that? I, I can't. <laughs> I, I think those are the two <laughs> genres that are really popping up right now. Like and like something like that, something like that. I know David Guetta made like future rave or something. So the issue is like I flip through Beatport all the time, updating to update my playlist, find new tracks, and I hear these future rave tracks all the time. It's like, what is the difference between this and like the third one I heard? Or the one I heard three songs ago, like there's no twist to it is like it becomes super important where you can put your own sound on stuff and it's like, oh, this sounds like this artist, but it's with this genre, this new genre that's coming out. I think that's where you can follow a trend. You can capitalize off of a trend, but you're still staying true to yourself as an artist.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough with electronic music, like sounding like yourself, but keeping up with the times because, you know, it, it, it's so easy to just download a preset or a sample and make that the focus of your song. That yeah, 30 so, like, other for people me, are using. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've done it, you know. Oh, so I, have I did I. it on my Everyone, label. Everyone's I, done it. Yeah. I mean, I've done it on the latest track that I did, but like what differentiates mine from, you know, whatever else is out there that's using that same sample is the fact that, you know, like just the way that I produce it, you know, the way that I use that sample. And so, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, 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 it it really comes down to like, do you have a process or are you just like, are you starting from scratch each time? because if you're starting from scratch each time then you're never really developing a sound. You're just developing a song like right then and there, you know.
0: You so, have, so you have a chance to reflect on what you did last time, evolve that and take the things that are good out of it, move that into the next thing and scrap the shit that sucked. Exactly,
1: right? Exactly. It
0: was probably around tw- it was 2019. Uh, that you decide to actually completely flip the script and do a like a straight up rebrand new name new moniker new logo new genre everything um I mean it it's pretty i think it's pretty easy to go from like the 2010 to 2013 2012 trance epic trance era move into that progressive big room sound it's that's an easy transition to make it's not as Um, shocking as going from something like that pop sound to what you're now doing in dubstep. Um, So tell me a little bit about your rebrand and why you decided to decide to rebrand. Because for those of you who don't know, Noah straight up went from, I mean, you were starting to make more aggressive stuff at the end of that Noah Neiman era. um, It was a lot of kind of, you know, 170 BPM, ba- future bass type stuff, starting to creep into the dubstep, but you still had a lot of like poppy elements to your tracks. Um, what made you want to switch that to go straight hard dubstep, um, and what what was the reason for that rebrand? Well, I mean, it part
1: of it is just straight up the the vibe of dubstep like you know it's kind of the reason why i got into trance is because there's a lot of energy in that music and you know being with enhance uh has kind of driven me down the path of like calmer and calmer and calmer music which is cool there's nothing wrong with that you know and and enhance is you know no shade on them as this f- they're phenomenal record label and they've done only good things for me but i I guess it was just not like the the direction and in that i wanted to go artistically or at least i kind of realized that at at that time so i was like you know for me dance music is all about energy and like and taking things to an 11 you know really really pushing that you know (laughs) that limiter hard.
0: <laughs> Redline that bitch. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. It's the only way you're headlining. <laughs> so, you know, so I was just kind of like, you know, what has the most energy and, you know, dubstep is like the only thing that came to my mind. So, and, and, you know, as you said, you know, my, my music was kind of like taking, like it was like going in that direction. You go, you, you, like, if you listen to all my stuff from like, 2011 all the way until today and you saw that and you continued through the transition of Noah Neiman to Dr. Neiman, You could, you could, you'll be able to see the transitions, the transition points towards dubstep. You know, like there was one track that I wrote for Stone Records, which is a Revealed Records sublabel. And they do more like kind of poppy stuff, but they signed this track that I did with Katie Sky from London. And she's a phenomenal uh, writer. It was called Criminal. And it's really like, super pop in the verses and then really takes a hard left into trap, like hard trap. And aggressive. then the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then the last drop is, is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of dubstep noises, <laughs> just oh, yeah. lots of wobbles, you know, lots of, lots of, you know, screechy stuff. And that was probably the, the turning point. Yeah. I was like, this is like, I, I love making these sounds. I love using these samples. I love, you know, what this sounds like. And I wanted to explore that sort of scene or that sort of, I don't know, that corner of dance music a little bit more. And it just really opened my eyes. And I was like, man, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. It's, It's just, it's, this is the most fun I've had writing music in a very long time.
0: I, re- I remember i remember because at that time that was when you and i were fucking. i mean we were working out together every goddamn day <laughs> yeah. like we we yeah. saw each other at almost like six days a week we yeah were working man out together oh, i and miss I that so much that, uh, it's so much fun i uh we should probably get back seriously bed, seriously dude <laughs> Um, but I remember you were going through that train. I remember that was exactly what you were talking about. Though you're like, I just I'm having so much fun, and you were, I mean, you were talking about possibly starting like a tech house type duo with another guy locally in town, Damn. and. I mean, you almost wrote like an album's worth of tracks, and you were like, "Yeah, this is cool," but like, this isn't. This is not what I'm wanting to do. And then, yeah, you know, it was immediately like right
1: back to the dubstep. Yeah, that was. Uh, I feel like that really, that literally was me chasing the trend because at that point, that was when that kind of music was really popular. And you know, as a producer, like I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I can like as as my discography will, will show, I can kind of write a, a lot of different things. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's see what this is kind of like. And it was fun to write. It was cool, but it just like, man, well, I just feel like tech house and, you know, that kind of music and, and, and techno it's, I've, it's always struck me as like the music that the opener plays. You know, and I know I know that like like there's there's phenomenal DJs that write phenomenal music and they've won Grammys and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not like boring music at all, but that's just the way it feels for me. I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's like the quiet stuff that they play, you know,
0: or <laughs> I mean, it, you know, like I relate to you I 100% a- like my dad is so into tech house and minimal house. Like he is the biggest, <laughs> he's the biggest fan of minimal house and tech house that of anyone I know. And my dad, is, my dad is like, he's like, I, he, a lot of the shit that I listen to, he's like this this sucks this is not like, good what is this yeah <laughs> what is this this sucks you need to listen to my stuff my stuff is so good <laughs> and i'm over here like no like you're wrong <laughs> so it really is like a personal taste thing where it's like yeah, some it, it people totally is. Is, it totally is. some people it's like all they can my uh, again my dad for instance is just a perfect example he fucking loves that shit and doesn't care for anything else. Like if all he listened to was minimal and tech house, he could listen to that forever for the rest of his life. I could not. So no.
1: Yeah. No, no, me, me either. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, honestly, I, I probably couldn't listen to dubstep for the rest of my life either. <laughs> you know, I like when I, when I go to the gym now, you know, since like you and I are not going to the gym, I just have my headphones on the entire time with noise canceling turned on. It's actually these right now that I'm using. <laughs> by the way, Apple whatever they AirPods Max they are the real deal. Get get
0: Are those the are they over the ear?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they you, you can I them. didn't
0: realize they're over the ear.
1: Yeah. Those are uh, nice. Oh, they're phenomenal. They're wireless? they're wireless. They're over the ear and the noise canceling is like by like multiple reviews the best on the market
0: they got that sexy beats technology and i'm telling
1: shirt. you anyways you know but but i'm i'm, I'm listening to like like the mandalorian <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: or, yeah, or, or or TV, boba right. fett or something like that you know no right, no no no, right. the, the soundtrack the soundtrack you're
0: listening it, to the soundtrack
1: it's epic dude it is i just i have my my dr neiman spotify uh artist uh profile if you go there, you can scroll down and you'll find I've, I've got my <laughs> I've got my playlists there, so you can subscribe to them if you want. Yeah, it's 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 pretty epic. But anyway,s yeah, I don't I don't think that I, I mean because dubstep's pretty it's pretty intense. Like you can't you can't really listen to that kind of stuff, you know, as like the only thing that you listen to. It's just it's just too much.
0: <laughs> I've I, I've got a buddy that would that, that would it's say, well, we'll do little <laughs> he fucking that motherfucker loves dubstep I, every I'm not I get like weekly messages like, hey, when are you going to start writing dubstep? And I'm like, never, I'm not <laughs> going to. <laughs> He loves dubstep, but there was also, I noticed a shift too in some of your live shows, like, like a year prior to you actually doing this rebrand of going into dubstep where you were basically just playing dubstep in your sets. I remember seeing you open up for, um, or you you were direct support for, um, cash, cash. 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 And that whole set. And that was in October of 20, 18, I'm pretty sure, where it was nothing but just hard, hard dumb stuff.
1: I don't, I don't know if I, I mean, I wasn't playing like excision style hard stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, it was still, it was still they pretty. Still, yeah. yeah. it was still, and you know, and then I, I, I did play some house and stuff like yeah. that. It I was very like a, like an open format kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, there was definitely, we're, there was definitely, it was more focused on hard f- stuff.
0: Did you feel that shift coming around that time, though, like as you were building sets?
1: It was really just me testing out stuff, you know, like the way I DJ, like I I like to prep like big chunks of my set ahead of time so I can kind of like like plug stuff in, you know, as to what the crowd is vibing, you know, to at the time. Like, okay, I'm like, you know, do they like this? Okay, well, I'll play more of this, and so I'll have like three or four or five tracks that I know will work well together, and I'll just play them like that, you know, or I'll make edits of them, and you know, so that's how it sort of goes. And so if you if you notice that it was like a much harder, it was just probably because I was like, okay, if these guys are digging this stuff, well, I'll just give them more of that, you know. That's kind of how I do my my sets. Now it's really, you know. I I and I guess not now it's it's always been like this but I try to like you know put pop stuff into the verses and breaks and that kind of thing but you know the drops are going to be really you know intense and I think that that's what people really want you know when they're coming to a dubstep show is you know they want really really hard intense stuff but for me anyways and I I don't know if if everybody in the crowd is really going to dig this but you know at least the people in like the first you know few rows that I can see, you know they're 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 always loving it. But yeah, I mean just playing stuff like you know I'll play like Stacy's mom, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Every, you know everyone loves or that, like yeah. you know that or like you know I don't know fucking Zed, you know that yeah, kind of nice thing.
0: mashup is always great. A little yeah, edit, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean it's it's funny man. Yeah, like dubstep. Like I've I've got I, I mean I've showed you all of them. Like I've got like probably thirty tracks written now you know, either like, you know, fully finished or like probably 90% of the way finished. And, uh, and they're just, you know, waiting in the wings to get released on, you know, whatever label. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun to write dubstep. It's, you know, it's also, like I said, you know, it's just what I'm vibing with and, and it's sort of like a new thing. Like I've been doing music for so long that, you know, I don't know and and it, you know it's it's not my like my main source of income, so I can you know afford to make a change like this and not worry about oh am I gonna alienate my fan base or am I gonna you know be able to pay my mortgage or something like that? you know
0: this kind of leads us perfectly into the next segment that I'd like to talk about, which is probably the number one question that most artists are gonna have as they listen to this episode, and they're all. Probably question shit, should I rebrand or not? Um, Or most of you are probably super comfortable in the brand that you're in, um, the genre that you're in, and that's fine, keep with that. But I definitely have talked to other artists recently who are thinking I might want to rebrand, I don't know. And a lot of these artists are pretty fucking small, like they're it's not like they have a huge following, and so. I think this begs the question of when should an artist rebrand from what I'm hearing with you and what I, I mean, from what I'm hearing with you, it's, it seems like it should be a rebrand should happen only at like the peak of, you know, I'm not feeling this and I'm, I want to do a big genre flip of something like where you're going from progressive house future base to ch- like pretty, pretty hard dubstep. Um, But not only that, like, you know, I I think there is there's something too if you want to follow a trend, though, where you have to look at it because you there are artists who have done a genre change, which isn't really a full rebrand. Right. It's it's you're not completely rebranding with a new logo, new name. The person that comes to mind would be getter. Getter did a genre change like right before he went on tour, released an album that was completely different from what got him big. And people fucking walked out of the show and booed him off stage, which is insane. And that was in, again, that was like 2019. That was 2019, right around when you were doing this rebrand. And you were talking about, I think I want to go a dubstep. And I mentioned this where I was like, you might want to come up with a completely new name because... Uh, they, here, here, here's exhibit A of why you should not just do an immediate genre change, especially right before a, a tour and everyone's coming to the show with an expectation. And I think he was doing much more chill stuff. So if you go from a dubstep specific audience and rebrand or not, not just rebrand, just do a genre flip, genre change, and everyone's coming to the show expecting fucking dubstep, and you come on as the headliner that everyone's there for, and you're playing some chill stuff that ain't gonna it's not going to work at all now in in defensive getter, like I think he has one hundred percent control over what he wants to do. I think he should be able to do that stuff it that that's fine, but I do think that there needs to be a little bit of like I don't know, maybe put on the flyer or send out an email to everyone that is going to the show. Hey, this is a, we're not doing dubstep. It's not dubstep. So at least people know, but outside of that, I think that's where it becomes really important where it's like, you gotta seriously think about just coming up with a new name. And uh, Tiesto has like, if you go look at his Wikipedia, he's got like 10 or 15 different names he's gone under and same with Armin. Like all of these artists have multiple different names that they go under for different genres that they want to play. And I think that's where you, where rebrands become really important, where even, even speaking to that, like you don't even need to necessarily give up and throw out your other artists, right? You could just start a new name, but for smaller, smaller artists, I don't think that's a good idea. I think, again, as we were talking about in the beginning, like focus is important. You should focus and then you can start toying with a different rebrand or whatever. But when do you feel like an artist should rebrand? I mean, you've experienced this and I would say you're starting to see more success in different ways and probably ways that are more meaningful for you when you did that rebrand. So I think you're the best person to speak to this at, at the moment.
1: So, I mean, as far as a rebrand, well, I mean, you know, I guess we can kind of nip this thing in the bud here for smaller artists. It doesn't matter. Like you know, like, like I mean, if you've got like a hundred followers or something like that, it's just delete that account and and make a new one. It it doesn't matter, you know, because like you know, you like that's going to be mostly your friends, and your friends will follow you, whatever. Like you know, it, it's fine, you know. Cause, cause your friends, I mean, at least you hope, you know, your, your good yeah. friends will support, so su- support, support you, you know, but take a
0: look at your friends if they're not, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If
1: like you do a rebrand and your friends aren't following you, think about who your friends they're are. They're not your friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but, 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 you know, in all seriousness, like, you know, that, that's not, you know, that's not really even a question. It's, it's sort of like, you know, it's a no brainer if you're just not feeling something, You know, you could even not rebrand and just like do whatever else that you is that you want to do. Because like like once you like build a real following where you've got like a number of people that are like mega fans and like people are coming out to shows to see you and not, you know, somebody else or or like or if you're if you're like direct support for the headliner and you've got people wearing your T-shirt in the front row, you know, that's something. So, you know, uh, like at that point. Like, you know, if you want to do a, a rebrand, I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend doing, like, a side project. which right. Which is... Test the water. Well, not even that. That's I mean, what you did, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and to be honest, like, my Noah Neiman profile is still active. Like, I'm still, like... Like, there's still... There's songs that I've written that are specifically for the Noah Neiman project. Like, I just haven't released them yet. So that, that's not... I haven't, like, canceled that project and just, like, completely moved on. You know, this Dr. Neiman thing is... It kind of like a side project, but it just sort of like took took my focus, which you know is is a is a thing that you know you keep bringing up, and and I I did see that Andrew Huang episode, and yeah, I think it's it speaks volumes to what artists should really kind of think about, you know. But but as far as you know, making the making the decision to like give up on a particular project and start a brand new one. I mean, you have to really kind of weigh the pros and cons of, you know, what does this mean financially for me? What does this mean, you know, artistically for me? Is this going to alienate my fan base? Like I am working with uh, an artist who I'm I'm producing a, a few songs for her and she is looking to go a completely different direction. With her sound. And she is very popular. I don't want to, you know, bring up any names because it's still sort of like under wraps right now, but she's, she's, she's very popular. She has a very big fan base. And uh, the sound that she's going for is, is really sort of, it's, it's, it's very, very different from what she's known for. And she's, and she's known for something really cool and uh you know so i was talking to her about it and i was like are you really sure you want me to produce this sound and not like this sound for you and you know like, because she she's a vocalist and you know she she's an amazing writer amazing vocalist and you know and an amazing producer her, her you know in her own right but she's just got so many songs that she's working on like she's coming out with an album and so she she needs a little bit of help just in terms of like timing and so so i'm producing you know a few songs and and i'm just like i mean like we could do maybe like a you know, like a sound that's kind of closer to what you've did. And then like, kind of like transition you, you into the more like, cause she's going from more of progressive sound to, to a little bit more of a, of a, you know, calmer more like a radio sound. And, um, and I'm just like, there's like a, there is a middle ground there, you know, like, you know, you could do like, uh, you know, you don't have to be like Metallica or, you know, like, I don't know. Enya. you know, there's, there's a middle ground there you know? And, uh, and she's like, no, I really want to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, that, that, that's fine. You know, whatever you want. But I, I just think that, you know, and I, and I think she's doing this because she's just really feeling this, you know, she just, she, just what she wants to do. And I think that if it's marketed correctly, I think it could be freaking amazing. Cause like I said, she already has a huge fan base and She's going to be touring with some other artists that are closer to the sound that she wants. And, you know, she's going to be earning their fans. So like like thinking about it strategically and, you know, thinking about the marketing, you know, telling people, okay, this is what's going to be happening. You know, we're going from this to this. Like You had mentioned Getter and he kind of just like popped up with the sound and like people came to a show Expecting his hard stuff. And <laughs> like, probably the flyer had his, you know, face on there, you know, looking all like, you know, bass face kind of thing that he does. And, you know, it, it, you know, is a really, really big shock if he's playing, you know, calm, like not even like future bass. Yeah. I mean, it, it could really, it could really, it could really alienate people. But I think that if the marketing is done right, then it, then it really could make sense for people and and people will have like an opportunity to sort of wrap their head around. Okay. My favorite artist is doing this. Why are they doing this? Is there a story? Like, can I, can I understand it? You know, am I going through that too? You know, am I like, am I going to dig this sound? Like, does it sound like them, you know, like letting the audience sort of follow you along in the journey, which is, I think why social media is so important. Is you know, you can kind of talk to people directly versus just, you know, having a sound and then having a completely different sound on your next album. You know, it, it's like there's there's no connection, you know?
0: You're you're hitting the nail on the head. Like that I think and this is a lot, I think this is a big issue with a lot of bigger artists, especially bigger artists who are sick, because I know of bigger artists, huge fucking artists that everyone knows who they are, who are sick and tired of writing the shit that they're writing right now. I, like I've heard through the grapevine, they they don't like it, they're tired of it, they want to move on, do something different. That's tough to do when you've reached that like pinnacle level Um, You know, think of some of the biggest artists you could think of that level. It's hard to do that genre change. And I think the disconnect comes from when they've got these massive like record labels backing them and these massive agencies and marketing companies where they're so fixated on these different marketing campaigns. But behind those campaigns is just kind of this. I mean, all their stuff is quality, but their idea is to reach the most amount of people as possible and try to suck those people in. And when you're when you're creating content and creating music to reach that amount of people, you don't care about the message behind anything, right? You're just trying to get shit out in front of people. Try to get them hooked. If you get them hooked, you won. Like that you you've done your job. So when you're at that level, there is this disconnect between the fan and the artist because they're so big, and there's no meaning behind anything that they're doing and And so, I think this leads into a bigger point of messaging with a lot of a lot of your marketing or promotion, and like putting your story in front of people because if you put your story in front of people of what your experience is, why you might have wrote this specific track or things you're going through, People can relate to that. They can consume it. They can understand it. And they can reason with it, especially if you're going through genre changes and you explain why you're going through that stuff. Now, obviously, there's like there's ways to go about that where you're just not like your social media account is your fucking diary. I don't think that's that that's where that belongs. There's a way to go about writing a story in your post about this track you're promoting, but if that's how you build your brand and that's how you build what you're doing, then it's much easier to do, to test different genres, to be able to change things. And people are more willing to understand that because they understand you. They know what you're going through. They get the messaging. They get the story that you're trying to tell and they get the meaning behind everything. It just make it puts, it puts a real person behind what they're Trying to experience. And I mean, that's what music really is. It's it's an experience. You're experiencing someone else's emotions in the moment of what they're writing. Um, you're experiencing everything in that moment that you listen to something. So if you're if you're putting real emotion into your music and, and what you're feeling in the moment. You should reciprocate that with your promotion and with your marketing. And like you said, if you if it's done well, it I it's probably pretty easy to do something like a genre change or a rebrand if people understand who you are and what what you do and why you're doing things.
1: Yeah, I, I think that I think that it's I, I I don't think that it's difficult. I think you just it just requires an explanation. I mean, you don't want to surprise you don't want to surprise people.
0: Yes. Yeah, totally. With your rebrand, I'm curious because rebranding is, there's a lot to it. Like you said, there's, you know, it's, it's a pretty big decision to make, especially for a bigger artist like yourself, where, I mean, at your peak with Noah Neiman, you were getting almost half a million monthly listeners on your Spotify profile. That's like nothing to, you know, that's Oh that's fucking huge for a lot of producers. So going through a rebrand of like let me switch this that there's a there's a big process through that. So I'm curious what were some of the biggest changes that you experienced whether that's I mean just simply going to a new audience and trying to market to that audience what was like changing your name like getting a new logo what what was the entire experience of Okay, I'm switching to this side project now. What and, cause you started new profiles from zero. Well,
1: you know, to be honest, it was fun. Like just just making all new stuff, creating a, a whole new, you know, like the the art direction and just, you know, I mean I, I remember I showed you like a, a few different a few different a few different logos and you helped me help me land on the one that I've got now, actually. And uh, you know, that just like I said, you know, the art direction, I found this phenomenal artist on Instagram named Keith West. He goes by Hang Fang and he does all my art and it's just really cohesive. So you know, I, I found that like I just I never really had like a like like really cohesive art style for Noah Neiman. It was just like whatever enhanced, you know, decided they wanted to do, which was cool. I mean, I guess it was sort of cohesive because it was all enhanced, but you know, this is like, you know, personal to me like i can talk to keith and be like hey you know i want this 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 and this and he's like no problem you know and like a week later i get something like completely just jaw dropping like it's it's awesome you know so so it's just a lot of fun like seeing that kind of stuff like it's it all feels new again it's sort of like a new relationship you know (laughs) it's always it's always a little exciting you know you get to the the honeymoon hunting and whatnot you know but Right now you know i' like I, I feel like I'm a little bit past that like, i'm I'm like more comfortable now with what I'm doing, and you know I, i've I've sort of developed the sound a little bit i, I think you know like i said the, the project's still pretty new it's it's you know honestly like i guess you could really could say it's still in its infancy in terms of like popularity and whatnot, but I've just got so much music that that is waiting to be released that it's you know it's just it's kind of like <laughs> kind of feel like goku in a way. <laughs> but, uh, in, you know, I mean, like it was, it's also, it was like nice kind of like meeting new people in this sort of scene. Like, like my current management, they're just the nicest guys. And, and it's just, it's really cool in knowing them, you know, Justin and Robert and Xander and, and Katie, they are all just phenomenal people. And I never really knew them until, after COVID you know I think I reached out to them after yeah yeah I, I reached out to them after COVID hit and I was like hey you know my name is Noah Neiman I'm doing this thing with with this new project it's called Dr. Neiman blah 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 blah. blah. and I think I reached out to Justin first and, and he's like my main guy and Justin's like yeah I know who you are you know I've, I've seen you around town you know that's really cool that you're doing this dubstep thing and I was like yeah I'm looking for a new management and you know I you know I keep seeing your name pop up you know, and, and so I just wondered if we, you know, I, you and I could have like a conversation and, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, he's got me on all these shows now and I'm playing festivals and stuff and it's just kind of nuts, you know, and it all just kind of like happened really quickly. And, and I guess they just like, I mean, you know, it, I don't know if everybody's heard of this saying, but it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I've lit, I was, I've been literally doing it for like taking it seriously. I've been doing, I've been doing it for God, 20 plus years, but I've been taking it seriously for about 10. And, and now I just did a rebrand, like a decade into the Noah Neiman project. And it's like really popping off for me. And Do I guess it's the just,
0: management change was a big, like I, big point, yeah. Part of that?
1: Yeah. So like, I had always like for me management, I guess always, and, and it, Like technically this isn't actually the way that I probably should be thinking about things, but management has always kind of also equated to a booking agent for me because for me, like I'm, I'm really like, I'm, I'm very, and you wouldn't get this from me, like just kind of talking to me, I guess, but, but I'm, I'm sort of like OCD. Like I have to know everything about everything. So I'm very, very involved on the, the, production and label side of things. And, and, you know, who are the writers that I want to work with and where is this record going to be released and how much am I going to be, you know, compensated for it and blah, 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 blah. And so I've cultivated like a very large catalog of, of, you know, people that I know in terms of, you know, writers and and record labels and, you know, record label executives and other artists that are on those record labels and so I'm, I'm covered on that side. Like, you know, I, what I really needed was somebody who could get me shows because I'm, I, you know, I'm on you know, like I'm, I'm a doctor in during the day and then I'm writing music when I can and I don't have enough time to go out to shows and meet people. <laughs> you know, I just, I, you know, I hate saying that because it makes me sound like. A, yeah. Well, you also have a family though. Well, too. yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Like- I mean, it's just so, you know, so I've got like so many things, you know, vying for my attention and time that I, I mean, I just, I cannot by the end of the day, like right now, you know, it's what, you know, almost nine fifteen, nice nine ten. right now we're talking. And like, I have been up since four, like I've been, I went to the gym, I went to, I, I worked at my clinic. I finished a song. I, you know, took care of my kids. I put them to sleep. I haven't even eaten dinner yet. I've had a glass of wi- I've had a glass of wine for dinner, so I am not like if it was Friday I would not be going downtown and being no. like you know no I wouldn't either yeah man so so like what I needed was guys that can kind of like you know get me into the door so to speak and they can pull some strings for yeah you. yeah yeah and and you know I was like I, so I to- to- told Justin I was like hey man you know I've done all this stuff you know I've toured with tritonal across the united states i have written songs with rehab and tiger lily and the chain smokers and you know i'm 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 good you know i'm 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 good at what i do what i need is somebody to do this for me and he's like i can do that you know let me talk to my partners and you know whatever and and so we kind of you know hashed out the details and it it's like a, just like a really 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 like good fit you know Cause like I've had managers in the past who are phenomenal people and they have a very extensive, very extensive, uh, networks. And, and, you know, one of them, Gabby Kaklani, who is just an amazing person and an amazing manager, you know, she, she's the one that, that hooked me up with rehab and the chain smokers, you know, and just, you know, it, she could get me so many things, but She was just wanting me to do a little bit more pop stuff. And, you know, we've already talked about that. I was kind of like not really feeling that. And, you know, so that led to a little bit of friction in terms of like how we wanted to take the pro like what direction we wanted to take the project in. And so, you know, so we decided to to part ways and we're still friends and we talk and, you know, like she's got kids, I've got kids. And we (laughs) kind of send, you know, pictures back and forth every now and then, although I I need to do that. (laughs) I haven't spoken to her in a little bit, I guess. You know, you get busy or whatever, but, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like I was never able to score like, 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 you know, stage presence. It was like that. That was
0: the missing piece. You had the catalog, you had the production, you, you had, you checked all the boxes for an artist, but it was like the missing piece really was the being in front of a live audience
1: yeah yeah and with tritonal like they like again i mean i've just i've been so blessed to like meet all all these amazing people in the industry like they took me on tour with them i i I, like my biggest show with them was probably like three or four thousand people i mean it was a like it was so big like it wasn't a stadium but the club was just so massive that I, I didn't know where the back of the club was. Like I I was looking at the, I was just like, it was just more and more people. Yeah. It was just like people after people, after people, like rows and rows and rows of people. I just like, <laughs> you know, is it like, is it outdoors? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like stuff like that was amazing. But like I said, you know, I've, I've never really had anybody that could like get me my own shows and like get me onto like multiple festivals and that, and that's what that, that is happening for me now. all thanks to the right people. Yeah. And and it's, it's just, you know, a lot of it's luck, you know, meeting people at the right time, you know, and, and, but, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, sure. Well, I mean, I guess a lot of it is like, you know, gumption, honestly, it's just like, I, I saw this guy named Justin and I was like, he's doing things and I need to talk to this guy, you know?
0: Uh, Luck plays into this conversation so fucking much and being at the right place at the right time. And uh, this is why I can't stress enough for, I mean, you did, you paid your dues as a younger artist needing to meet the people that you need to meet and being at the right place. Um, but this stresses just so much more to younger artists of why they should be going out, meeting people in their local scene, and being friendly with people. Like this is that's how you get lucky by meeting the right person at the right fucking time. Yeah,
1: you know it's funny that you mentioned that. You know, and and I'm I'm quite a bit older than than probably the majority of your listeners. But you know, if you are in your early twenties or whatnot, yeah, man, go out because I I was. This was a long time ago, but I was actually I was reading a magazine uh, about production, and I think I I don't know if it was this guy that I'm going to say or somebody else, but I remember reading this article, and I think it was Eddie Tonic, who is I believe he is a house kind of techno DJ out of Germany, and funny enough, he's actually a dentist so you know, doctors
0: are edm producers <laughs> <laughs> more than you would think but you he, no, he,
1: he's like really he's he's really successful but he's like like i said i i don't know if it was him or not but he said younger like the the magazine interviewer had asked him you know so so for younger artists what what, what advice do you have to say to get to the point that you're at and he's like go out and go to parties Like, sitting at home in your bedroom writing music, like, that's cool, but you're gonna always be sitting at home in your bedroom writing music. That is all you're ever going to do if you don't get out there and meet people. And, you know, like, I've had to do my fair share of that, you know, I've I've met, you know, Andrew Parsons, I met him, you know, at a party, and he just took, I don't know what, like...
0: He For those of you who thinking- don't know, Andrew Parsons <laughs> is a big guy here in the local Austin scene who used to have the club kingdom. And now they moved to what's the new club that they opened up Cong- his wife
1: concourse.
0: Yeah. The concourse. Um, they're very <laughs> wildly fucking successful in the local scene of running. Shows. Yeah. Big fucking shows. The biggest artists you could possibly think of.
1: Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like he, he, I don't know what, like, made him do this, but he just—I don't know why—he he, he just—he just gave me show after show after show after show, and I guess like he must have just liked what I could do or or what. I don't know what, but you know, so that kind of like pumped me up in the local scene, and then you know that helped me sort of explode onto the you know, more like regional scene. And then, you know, like I said, once I get got to know Trent Tritonal, it, it was more national. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you really, you really do have to get out there and meet people. I mean, even if it's just like on social media, like you, 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 you did that with me,
0: you this, know, that's literally how we're having this conversation right now yeah I saw you at a show play opening for Tritonal and I sent you a message on Facebook and that's literally all it takes. Like yeah. just sending a message and being, I I we, I we, could pull up the message I sent you. It was something <laughs> along the lines of, dude, I just saw you up open up for Tritonal. You're fucking incredible. Holy shit. And then you sent me a message and I was like, oh my God, you replied. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, I'm a producer. Can I just send you stuff for feedback? And you're like, sure, I do. I give feedback to anyone. So I was like, oh my God
1: um yeah and well that i mean like, that's, you know it's that's it's a, it's funny though because, i mean like because you know some of these like like some of these really big guys you, you know they get like a message like like their message is like that like you know a, a thousand of them a day and so it's yeah, hard to yeah. it's hard to like you know or or, or they you might do, be strategic y- about yeah, it. yeah i suppose so yeah, i mean
0: like i could I mean, I could have messaged Tritonal, but I knew that they weren't gonna fucking message me like they weren't. And so it was much easier to go, well, Noah's fucking sick. Oh my god, I found his profile. I can message him. and it's much easier to message those types of people and those 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 still much bigger than I ever was, but uh but they're still within reach. yeah and you know, I mean, like,
1: it could also just be like, the guy's a dick or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, like for me, like I, 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 like it might take me a while to get back to you, but I do try to get back to every single person that messages me. Like literally, literally every single person that messages me. Because, you know, I, like for me personally, I know that I was in that position, you know, a, 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 a long time ago. I was like, you know, I was wanting to talk to, you know, an artist. And it always sort of like, kind of like made me feel bad if they didn't did an answer or something like that. And so I just, I don't like, you know, especially if it's a kid, especially, you know, just like a, like a really young kid, I'm just like, yeah, man, just, just send me whatever, you know, like I might, um, I might not get back to them right away. And you know, if they send me a song, I might not be able to listen to it, you know, that day or whatever, but like a week later or like, you know, whatever. I mean, if you, if you send me a message and I don't get back to you, send me another message like I'm not going to be a dick to you. I'm not going to be like, fuck off. I'll send me a message
0: and let me know that you're trying to talk to Noah. Yeah. I'll text well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just, it would just be like, I mean, cause I'm like, you know, if you send me a message and I'm like, Hey man, yeah, I'll listen to this. And then I don't get back to you. It's probably just, I mean, I might've forgotten. Cause like I said, I'm, I get a lot of messages like that too. So, you know, I am happy to listen to it. But it's just, you know,
0: I've talked about this endlessly on the podcast, too, is like if you don't get a response, follow up like you got to fucking follow up. I've talked yeah. to you about that, too, with like labels like submitting to labels. Oh, yeah. Like, you got to fucking fo- if you don't have a response. Well, did you follow up if it's been four weeks? Oh, no, I didn't. Well, did you try like try following up? And then if four, you don't, we, get- no, man,
1: I, it's, I, I follow up in a week. Yeah. I follow up, I mean, like, I, you know, because I mean, like my first release on revealed records it took them 3 weeks to get back to me
0: i literally just had a buddy who confer he's he sent some tracks out on label radar and the he sent it out like 4 or 5 weeks ago or something like that one label got back to him and he approved it and said yes let's sign it and literally a day after a bigger label responded and wanted to sign it and but he's already approved the other one and i was like well did you follow up and he said no i was like you should have been following up like if you would have just followed up and reached out to him and been like hey i have and this other label was already talking to him for a week so he could have said hey this other label's interested are you guys still interested and that's all you need to say and if you don't get a response then you've you've done your due, due diligence right you you've You've done what you needed to do. It's out of your hands. And if you approve this and they get back to you later, that's on the label. That's not on you. But if you don't follow up, it's all on you. You fucked up and you should have followed up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, the, I, I followed up with Reveal twice and I didn't hear a thing back. And then three weeks later, I just out of the blue randomly. I remember I was upstairs in my house and I was just, <laughs> I remember getting the email and I was like, what the hell is this? And then, you know, and then it just like, I, I texted the singer and it was Anna Yvette and I was like, Oh my God, revealed once our song. And she's like, Oh my God, revealed once our song. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. So, you know, it was really cool. And then, you know, it, that song did really well and people loved it and it got played like a multiple times. And so it was a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get, get, get in touch with people.
0: Definitely get in touch with people. Follow up. We, we we need to start wrapping it up here, but before we do that, there are a couple of things that I noticed, uh, when you rebranded that I felt like you were doing before you weren't doing before with your Noah Neiman name. Um, and this is something that I've been talking about religiously for probably the past two months or so on the podcast. Um, but you had, it seemed like you had some marketing changes, with your new social media accounts. And it seemed like you were starting to actually engage more with the community that you were trying to be a part of far more than you were before with just your Noah Neiman project. I saw you constantly commenting on other people's posts um, and just engaging with other people. Do you think that's really helped you out with getting a bigger audience and, uh, getting people to actually engage with your content. Yeah.
1: I think that, I mean, for me, at least it was sort of a learning curve as to, you know, how I needed to go about things. So like on, on Facebook, I am lucky enough to have been verified on my Noah Neiman page. And so you know, I've got that blue check. And when you comment on something, even if it's like another, if it's on another artist's thing or like IGN or something like that, or like whatever, any any page, your comment will show up at the top of the comment section, or at least like one one of the first few that show up. So you'll get much more visibility. And and so like engaging with other pages, you know kind of like gets you more noticed by other people who have no idea who you might be. I and mean, they'd be like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, there's a blue check. Oh, he's, he must be somebody important or something like that. Or, or he must be somebody, you know, that Facebook thinks is important at least. And then they'll go check your stuff out. And I'm like, Oh, all right, this is actually something that I like. So that then they'll follow your page and so on and so forth. I did. I wasn't doing that with the, the Noah Neiman stuff. I, I I was very much of the, I like the, the thought process of was, you know, if I make the music, people will come.
0: If you build, you know, it, they will come. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. You know, well, it I was just like, I was like, no,
1: it's not, and it's it's very unfortunate, but that's just sort of the way it is. I mean, like, you can kind of bemoan the the. I'm so you know, happy
0: you're mentioning this because I've mentioned it so many times on the podcast. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you if can. You kind build of, it, no one's gonna fucking come, and you're no. the you're a testament to that because you have. Legit tracks signed to legit labels with legit streams, legit monthly listeners with no one even. You built it, but no one was fucking coming.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, you, you really need to show people what it is because, like, you know, it's like, you know, you you hear a song on the radio and it could be like the most garbage crap in the world, but you hear it enough and like, oh, okay, I like it. Like, like that Avicii song. You know, like everybody hated it when it first came out. Everybody, Level, and then it, are you
0: talking about levels? No, no,
1: no, no. His stuff that's the like most popular. Wow,
0: wake me up. Oh yes, yes.
1: He he played that at Ultra, and everybody's like, "What?" It's freaking. You know, it was all these like cowboy hat memes and everything like that. And you just he, he, like he was he was in you know they just kept on putting it in front of people, and you know, more and more people are like, okay, this is, this is cool. I love this. And, you know, Avicii is now my, my wife's favorite DJ. <laughs> Fuck. And the guy's dead. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, RIP, you know, he, he, he's, he, I mean, like I said, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess, you know, he just, he had the bravery to do something new. But it was like you know, it it was just it was was marketed really well. You know, they just like they did it really well. You know, so you could write the best song in the history of music as a bedroom producer, and nobody's going to care because nobody's going to hear it. You know, you're not you're not in front of enough people. You know, like I mean. You gotta get out there, and you have to meet people, or you know, like at least you know you don't have to get out there, but you at least like you message the right people, and like maybe offer the offer offer to take them to dinner, or at least buy them a cup of coffee or something. Then just like show them who you are, you know. If they don't like you, then whatever. But maybe they do like you, and maybe they take you under their wing, like Andrew did with me, and maybe you become somebody. You know, I think that's really that's really an important thing to take away. Is is you know. Like the music in the music industry is secondary. It is all about who you know and your image and your marketing and that kind of thing. Because, And I've said this in in other interviews before, like the bare minimum that you have to do to be a successful musician. This is the very, very like bottom of the barrel bare minimum that you have to do is write phenomenal music. Your music has to stand out and be kick ass and the production has to be on point. It like, you cannot be making mistakes. It has to be perfect. That's the bare minimum. Then you take that to all these other people and you, you know, you build a machine, a machine, you know, but if you're just writing tracks, you know, and, and and you're not taking it seriously or you're not taking it seriously enough and you know they're like they're they're pretty good but you know they're like they're like you know whatever that's not going to get you anywhere you know so it's got to be badass tracks that you take to to the next level
0: yeah i agree and even just i mean there's a lot of people who don't write the best music but know the right people and that gets them in front of in front of enough people too so I think this combination of like of in, in, audience engagement mixed with the people that, you know, and having just outstanding fucking music really is it's like the trifecta of everything that you need, because um, knowing the right people, you're going to be able to get the right marketing. You're going to be able to get signed to the right labels. You're, you're going to be able to do all the things that you want to do. You're going to be able to play all the shows you want to play. That's just knowing the right people. And that's like already fucking 70% of everything you need. The other thing you need to know you need is to show people that you're a real fucking person and that you give a shit. And then the music speaks for itself. Right.
1: Right. The music. Yeah. The, def- the music definitely does speak for itself. I mean, it's just but, like you know, like I said, it it's a sad state of affairs, but that's just the way things are. And you're you just have to get used to that. Yeah. You, you, there's like, no like getting around it I saw a post the other, uh, today actually on Facebook by a guy who's kind of coming up, doesn't write the best music but just knows a lot of people and is really popular And, and he is, his skills on the decks are are dope like like grade A but he posted, he was like, you know, it's really sad that people can just buy their way into, the, like buy their way to the top and I'm just like, man people have been doing that since the dawn of time this is the dawn of money that's that's just the way things are it's you know it it might suck but you need to get used to it
0: this is the industry yeah. this is what i've been telling people from the minute i started the podcast is if you don't like that don't fucking be in this industry get the fuck out because no. what are you building yeah. you're going to be horribly fucking disappointed when you come to the realization that this is what it's like um now unless again if you have enough money to change that which most of you don't. Most of us won't. That that was kind of the realization when I when I met you and I started talking to you. When I met you and start and I was starting to talk to you, all I wanted to do was be a big producer. I just wanted to produce music. I wanted to tour. I wanted to do all of that shit. And then I got a little a little more information from you about what the industry is like, and that started the gears started fucking turning, and I started to realize. You know, I don't think I want to be that. I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to be the person with hundreds of thousands of fans, like with this big pressure and responsibility to be constantly putting out great shit. I like I there there's certain things I want to do in my life that I don't feel like I would be able to. I'd have to choose certain things over. Music and fans, and and it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth dealing with all that. And that's where I found the outlet of like mixing and mastering. Oh shit, I can still work in the industry. I can still work with artists. I can still work with great music. I can still put my touch and my flavor on things, but I don't have to be that person constantly writing and putting things out and trying to market to fans and touring and keeping up with family. Like, I don't have to do all of that. I can still scratch the itch that I want to scratch and, uh, do the things I want to do and be successful and still have the things I want to do personally, which was like perfect. And I think this is a really important thing that a lot of producers need to realize. And this is why I started the podcast was, you know, a lot of it does kind of is kind of based off of the, what I've learned from you by learning about what the industry is really like. And I wanted to share that message with other producers and let them know that like you can come to this realization and realize I don't want to be an artist. There's still a path like, right there's you can still build a business within this industry. That's not directly related with just producing music and building a fan base and touring and still love what you're doing and be involved. There's still a way to do that. Um, but then also, you know, if you, there's a lot of people who listen to this that want to do that. And that's what this outlet's for. Um, Noah, let's, let's, I mean, I think that, go, on, go ahead. Yeah, I
1: was, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I think that 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 what you just let into right there could be an entirely other, uh, entirely separate episode. But yeah, I, I think that, I think it's very possible for people to do what they want to do. You just have to realize that what you want to do is either going to take a lot of sacrifice or may not be as glamorous as you, as you think.
0: 100%. Yeah, I agree. Let's wrap it up there, Noah. Uh, Yeah, we, I'll probably have to bring you on for another episode. We can talk about (laughs) that.
1: I'm happy to come on. man. Let's
0: do it. Um, Go ahead and just plug your stuff, man. What have you got going on? I know you had a huge fucking release a couple of weeks ago this episode's going to be coming out in probably 3 or 4 weeks so you know that release is going to be at the tail end of all the promo and all that but um I don't know if you want to plug that or stuff that you've got coming out I mean I'll let you know this episode's definitely coming out on the let me see here it's going to be May 13th so I don't know if you have any releases or shows coming up I
1: don't know if
0: (laughs) (laughs) the life of a big artist they never know
1: (laughs) yeah man just I guess I'll plug my my social media just just follow me on on, I mean I'm only I'm mainly on Instagram and and Facebook mainly Instagram honestly Facebook too let's let's, let's get Facebook (laughs) you know yeah just just follow me on those two things you know I really kind of just try and focus on those two Um, but I Everything that's coming out will, will be announced on, on those social media outlets. You know, so if you, if, it, if you're listening to this podcast at a certain date, head on over there, it's, you know, at Dr. Neiman on, on Instagram,
0: Dr. spelled out to D-O-C-T-O-R. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, you know what? I don't know what the shortcut to my Facebook is anymore because I just changed it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, just, just look up Dr. Neiman on Facebook. You'll, you'll find me. Yeah. You spell out doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Doc- sure. Yeah. Dr. N-E-I-M-A-N. You'll find me. And, and like I said, yeah, you know, it's really easy to find me on Instagram and my Instagram is logged. It's, it's linked to my Facebook. So yeah. So well, thanks so much, man. I I really appreciate you you course, you're bringing me on, always. and you know, yeah. it's a lot of fun talking. It's always fun talking to you. Top golf, yeah,
0: we'll get, some top golf get some top golf, some fucking runs, dude. I haven't been in the gym in a while.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I'm just Oof. all oh, jujitsu. Yeah, I remember I was I was pushing you. I was pushing you. You you were, you were you were doing like like 155 on the bench. I think I was doing more than that. I think yeah, I was doing, doing I, one, 185.
0: I, I think I got up to, I was definitely maxing. Oh, I think I might've maxed at 185. I was getting up to like constant reps at like 165. It was, yeah, we were, we were, we were going, going, man. We were, yeah. we were as Arnold would say, pumping <laughs> iron. <laughs> we to, we're going to be starting from scratch again, dude. I know. <laughs> dude. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, Noah, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the Absolutely, time. man. Thank you. Everyone, head to EnviousAudio.com slash episode 79. I'll have all of the show notes there. Um, all of Noah's socials will be there. So if you guys want to go follow them and everything that we talked about. But I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Peace. Peace.